upon a time, a wolf loved a rabbit. A rabbit loved a deer. A wolf also loved a deer, but as a friend, no homo. Oh, wow. I haven't heard that song in a long time, is what I would say if I could hear it. But since I do the editing of the show in post, I didn't actually hear it. But It's true. I, I, I can't hear a thing. Okay. Just, just, just for humor's sake, I kind of want to ask you, could you sing the song for me? Could you hum it back to me? No, not a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> I mean, if I had heard it, I could definitely produce a facsimile of it. But the, but uh, the, when we la- the world has changed so much since the last episode of Beastars. It really has, and it was delayed because of, I assume, COVID and all of the stuff that went down with uh, the production house Orange. But welcome back, fur fans. This is temporarily not Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends. This is. The Cherryton School Report, the original name, Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends, went by when we first debuted, and this was only a Beastars podcast back then. I am your host, Sabrina Ray, and you can't see me right now, but my tail is a wagon hard for you. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll anthropomorphize myself with a pair of wings, which sounds slightly more dignified. With me is my co-host and... Woman's best friend, Donald. Uh, sure. I, I didn't know a bird was a girl's best friend. <laughs> a bird is a girl's best friend. They can clean your teeth. Uh, yeah, they can. Uh... You just have to hang out with your mouth open to the sky <laughs> and, and hope it doesn't become a toilet. I mean, you are the one with all the ideas here today. What can I say? <laughs> It is so good to be back. Beastars is one of my favorite shows. I mean, we did five different series. We did Sarazamai, we did Keep Your Hands Off Azoken, we did Paranoia Agent, and we did Wonder Egg Priority, and also Beastars. And Beastars, among those, Beastars was personally my favorite and remains my favorite. And season two just dropped, and holy crap, it's amazing. Um, You are in for a crazy ride. Um, What you guys need to understand is that I have already seen the animation and I've already seen season two, but now I've also read all of the manga, which ended at book 22, as well as the side stories from Beast Complex 1 through 3, which sometimes have crossovers with the series. Uh, Sadly, Itagaki Potter, the author and artist, seems to have put her beasts aside for now, Um, but we have a whole new season to talk about and devour. John, are you excited? I'm very excited. And for those of you who don't remember, I come in this with a fresh-eyed view, having not consumed every last iota of content, but watching two episodes at a time leading up to uh, the podcast so that I, like you, dear listener, can be surprised and amazed and shocked by what comes ahead. That is right. And goodness, before we get to the craziness... We have a new feature on this show, Don. Questions from the audience. Oh, I love it. Isn't that a boring title for something that could potentially be a lot of fun? I just feel like you normally would have come up with something far snappier. 
You know what? I I think I had a list and I just decided that it was it was better to be obvious and and easily understood than it was to be clever and obtuse. I mean, really, why not both? <laughs> I mean, if you want to come up with something or if anyone out there wants to come up with something better, it doesn't necessarily have to be B-star animal themed, but the questions do. And every week we're going to be putting this out to our Twitter, possibly Reddit and our friends and family, like ask us a question. Like it can be about the show. It can be about us, but try to make it a little bit either B-stars related or animal related or something that something that some question that came up to you while you were watching or something in the news. Like, did you know there was like a ton of elephants that died? What a bummer. Wow. That was not the direction I wish you had gone. <laughs> let's i wish you'd i don't know like the death of the, <laughs> the extinction of the elephants next on b stars no i I, would, I i was gonna say i was gonna ask a question about that but i'm not sure what the question like what was the most catastrophic animal death that happened in your life <laughs> like in my life i don't know i guess it would be the extinction of the white rhino if we're gonna get uh Get maudlin yeah, on here. That was, that was pretty. That was pretty devastating. I mean, at least it comes to I mind. Mean, I mean, like the naked mole rat is not something I care was... if it lives or dies. <laughs> Poor naked mole rat. There was a. There was a like a slightly off-white uh, rhino though that did not go extinct and is actually flourishing. So um, I guess it wasn't so bad. We just lost one color in the spectrum of rhinoceros. So. I, I think you mean the black rhino is doing all right. If you're uh, looking for the slightly like, off-color white rhino, is not in fact a species that's doing all that well. No, 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 not slightly off-colors, off-white. It is a color unto itself. The ecru elephant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm not seeing it. All right, this is not the question we got. We got a much more fun question from one of uh, someone we both went to high school with. Tom Wilder wrote oh, to right. us. Did we ever call him Wild Thang? Because that nickname just makes itself. I, you know, I think I'm, I'm certain that it came up in some context, but whether he used it on himself in an unironic fashion or we used it uh, on him in an ironic fashion, I just don't know. So he writes, do you acknowledge that Lagoshi's tail is a stand-in for his penis? Like the thought of going to the city gets him hard, etc. I paraphrased a bit, but <laughs> it was well, pretty blunt. So, to answer the question truthfully, I don't. I, I think sometimes it could be seen that way, and sometimes a wolf simply has a tail that he's got to do something with. Um, and like I remember, there was some situation in which it was stepped on or slammed in a door or something. Uh, and you can certainly read it for a comedic fashion, but like it would be very, it goes a little too far to the slapstick side to have it be a stand in for his penis getting slapped in a door. Plus, I think the one thing about Beastars is there's every expectation that Lagoshi has a penis and that, you know, he's in danger of using it with Haru. So, um, yeah. You know, I think it's not always the stand-in, but I think there can be times, certainly when he's um, in a subconscious fashion, I think you can easily use that as your interpreter because it's not an X-rated anime here, but uh, it's definitely 
the far edge of PG-13. So my thought on that is that there's too many times when Legoshi's tail wags that are just inappropriate for a boner. Like, for it to be a stand-in for a boner, there's too many occasions where his tail is wagging. Like, when he's with his friends, uh, when he greets another canine, you know? Like, I don't imagine he's just walking around like, oh, I'm so hard for you. (laughs) Hey, Jack. Uh, yeah, there is that. I mean, there's some tension there, but you know, because Jack is Jack is a little like he's our boy. You know, he's 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 gentle and and softer than Lagoshi. Lagoshi's <laughs> all jacked and hard and like he's wolfy. you know, but he's still adolescent. Like Lagoshi is not he's not jacked. I want to I want to push back on that. He's He's more I mean, wiry. Maybe he gets jacked late. <laughs> oh man! Do we? Can we just? Oh, I, I just gotta accept that that's the way this is gonna be. I mean, it's not like it's not the undertones aren't there in the in the anime itself. Okay. Honestly, it's starting things off on on just the right foot or something <laughs> extendable penis. Pseudopod. <laughs> to discuss it this, but I think we've answered the question. Um, if you guys have your own opinion about that, you can reach out to us at Okashina Podcast. That's O-K-A-S-H-I-N-A Podcast on Twitter. And every week we're going to be putting up a question um, like post asking for your questions and then we're going to answer them. Show. So please like send us your questions. Anyway, wow. So, okay, so the first thing that strikes you as you're watching the new season is that we have we have we've moved past the original um song. We no longer have the strange swing music with the uh with the stop motion anime. The very first thing I thought is, "Oh, geez, Bree is going to have some some misgivings <laughs> about. I mean, you were absolutely the biggest fan of of season one's opening credits i did like it more but actually this was the first time i had heard the band that performs this song for this season kaibutsu uh, aka monster and they are called yoasobi and i became a huge fan afterward um they are Japanese electropop megastars, and I think this was a huge get for the show because the pairing is really good. Um, the song definitely grows on you. I, I think the, the animation of the open is done in the style of their music videos, um, a little bit flat looking, but... Um, Stylized. It's stylized. It's flat. It's, it's, um, it's, it's kinetic. Less- it's less colors. It's less texture. It's much less texture. Uh, it's and pop. It's, it's much less depth. Um, and but it's faster. It's uh, oh, it's definitely in your face, and it's um, it's a little. The word that's coming to mind is pounce, but I can't make that. Uh, I can't make that work in, in some sort of adjective. It works. It works. I think the audience knows exactly what you mean. It's a little pounce. I get it. And not only does the music feel a little bit like Legoshi, but the lyrics are definitely sort of Legoshi's side of the story. And I, 
it's almost spoilery in a thematic sense, but Yosobi's gimmick, the thing that they do is they take works of literature or film and they write songs that fit within that story. So their songs are all themed towards like these other larger works. And yet they tell um, not original stories all the time, but stories that work within that context. Uh, And here they do the same thing. So it's pretty exciting to like have the song be so catchy and thematically like it feels like this season does like maybe not at the beginning, which is a little bit slow. And I think we're kind of getting into the episode now. It's episode 13 is called the teens never ending alarm. That's the English title. Um, I looked through the manga and I did not find that title. So this is an anime only thing. So we're already, uh, there's a lot of differences between what we're seeing on screen uh, and what was in the anime uh, because they are, they seem to be truncating things a little bit, getting more quickly to the murder mystery than they did in the manga. The manga takes a little bit more time to sort of like live in the fallout of the previous season. So when you say that, um, you know, the episode getting into the body of the episode here, there's to me, it feels like we are refamiliarizing ourselves with some of the main characters. We are diving right back into, Hey, uh, the, there is a, a central mystery here that we were trying to solve and we seem to have gotten off track. Let's put our focus back on this. Um, I was a little surprised that the timelines, you know, only six months has passed since the first, since the devouring incident. Uh, and that makes sense if you think about it, because it seems like that the devouring happened, then they had summer vacation. And then the festival at which Lagoshi basically left Haru at the altar. <laughs> Not Haru, I'm sorry. Left Juno at the altar. Yes. I was um, going to say, I don't remember Haru the, being left. The festival was the end of summer festival, basically. Yeah. As we said, it was similar to Obon, where they were honoring the ancestors, which in this case were the dinosaurs, which has always been one of my favorite touches that they that they added in for the world building. But um, as you said, there's, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of catching up here. Yeah. And I felt that that, go ahead, go ahead. No, no. I think it, I think it's wise just in that they did kind of ignore Tem's murder for most of the back half of season one. Absolutely. We, we got, we got whirled up in a lot of other exciting, you know, we had the introduction of, um, Juno, we had the sort of intensity between Juno and, and Louis and the love triangles that were flourishing all over the place. Um, it's a love a love square now, I guess is what it is. Yeah, um, are we including Jack in that? No, no, no. No, what? Me? Jack, no. that's like, that's like uh, uh, Frodo and, and who's, the, who's his sidekick? Uh, Samwise. That's right. Samwise. It's a Frodo Samwise relationship. I don't see, I don't see that as. Be- I know that it's shipped to high heaven. You're, but... you're actually right. You're actually right. And there, I, it, I didn't see this scene in these early episodes, but in the manga, there is a scene with Jack um, that is important 
to his character. And I hope um, that they, that they find a place for it in season three, because um, it sort of works with the themes of season three more than two. Anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. I, season I'm three. Taking, so season three has been confirmed. They are oh. doing the next arc, which is fantastic news. It was just confirmed, I believe, yesterday. Look at this. I, dear listener, like you, am learning this news for the first time right now. And it's very exciting. Season three has some of my favorite stories in it. And uh, I mean, the arc that they're going to be covering. I, I can't say what it is. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. But you're not because all roads lead to Cherryton. It starts off in there. They're doing the night of a meteor shower. Uh, Jack has told them that there's going to be amazing meteors in the sky. And uh, there hasn't been. So he runs and gets a telescope. And while he's going there, on his way back, he happens to uh, see a can, I think. There's like a can that rolls by and it has Tem written That's on right. it. That's right. It's, you know, a, a, a memoriam for Tem, a memorial. Uh, it's part of the little shrine that was left to Tem at his at his place of dying. Yeah, someone someone bought him a, bought him a can of tea, I think. I don't know what it is, but Red it looks Bowl. like it said tea on it or herbal tea. Anyway... The can rolls by. He kind of gets freaked out because it's at night because they're watching stargazing. And he sees this thing beyond the door and it's got like lots of eyes. At first, it's this one eye looking at you. Then like all these other eyes go past. And I can I couldn't help thinking of the angels in uh, Evangelion with all those eyes on everything. You know how like the Bible um, <laughs> angels, the angels yes. in the, the actual Bible are supposedly described like more wings like, and eyes, wings and eyes, basically, which we just decided. Nope. They're sexy people <laughs> and cherubic babies. That's, that's what they are. We're just going to ignore yeah, the word of God. Yeah, I think they were, they didn't want to freak people out too much. It's like, yeah, we're going to be ruled by these seraphim, which are terrifying to behold. Exactly. You have to have um, some incentive to go to heaven because all the funds people go to hell. And then, you know, that's, we just sort of build the season off of this urban myth to start. You know, um, they've heard stories about this thing that has many eyes that somehow roams the halls of Cherryton School at night. And, uh, and they blame Jack, of course, for trying to, like, trying to make up uh, an excuse for why they didn't see stars that night. But, uh, what do you make of the? They start out by talking about the guardian star, like everyone's. I don't gonna... know. I don't know. That's interesting. Um, I don't know how important that is or how not important it is based on what we get in this episode, at the very least. Uh, what did you make about it? I mean, because we're talking about stars and it's B star, so the, it was just a little cryptic. It's like, well, only you can make your star shine. I was like, well, why do you make a? I mean, I, it feels like a veiled reference to the B-Star idea itself. Yeah, we will get more into that in in episode two, I think. But it, for this episode, um, it's just going to have to be a pin. We're going to put a pin in that. And, and we also get more of Hotter this season than I was expecting. Um, here we get... She kind of disappears from the manga almost entirely for several books. Uh, and here 
she has a couple scenes with Lagoshi where she's meeting him on a rooftop. And I'm not exactly sure I like this relationship that she's sort of like this, this, it feels like she's hiding their relationship. Well, thank you for being the first one to bring it up. Cause I was like, girl, you got to get a grip. Uh, I thought she was terrible uh, to, for, first of all, they're, yeah, they're meeting on a fire escape uh, at dusk in the back, and she's like hiding the relationship, and and Lagoshi is aware of it, sort of calls her out on it, and her to me it seems like she's making these lame excuses that the Haru we know and love would never have made. She's saying like, well, you know, yeah, I'm totally on my own and an ostracized from everybody, but I don't really want people seeing this because I don't want them spreading rumors. And Lagoshi's like, well why don't you just face it head on like the brave she rabbit that you are? And she's like, well, we don't really know what our relationship is. Do we? (laughs) Isn't that right? And he's like, uh, yeah. And she's like, yeah, we don't need to change anything. We can just do what we're doing right now. And that confuses the living daylights out of Lagoshi. And frankly, dear listener, me too. It doesn't confuse me, but it infuriates me, certainly. Okay, uh, yes, I'm ag- I ag- agree with you. Like, he put everything out there for her, and, like, she was ready to go with him, and then what's going on now? Do you think it's just because I haven't had sex that he just didn't, like, pull the trigger on all that? And, like, she's sort of like, well, if I'm not going to be girlfriend-boyfriend with him, then maybe I shouldn't pull the trigger on this and invite even more harassment. That's, mean, that's what's so annoying about it, though, is it's like she's already she admits that she's already the target of some harassment. And she says that she doesn't want to invite like an extra helping of harassment, basically. Right. Yeah, I, I, I find it mystifying if only because she was so she had in the previous season talked about how like she was the master of her own destiny in the sense of like, she just, she was choosing to be who she wanted to be. Um, and, you know, sort of damn the consequences. Uh, and, or at least that's my recollection. You know, if you can think differently, I mean, obviously she's a victim of some circumstance, but she also, you know, she was, she was getting it on with Louie. Like, I mean, granted they weren't, destined for the great publicity but that's a that's a big get last time i checked and uh <laughs> you know there's she had a lot going for her and she still kind of does and yet this is this is weak sauce it is and i wanted to ask you if you noticed that her eyes have more detail i i think that in the first season they were black they were very black and and now you can kind of see the iris behind the black. I hadn't focused too much on the detail, but I, I can believe it. I was. It still doesn't lessen my rage at her uh, wishy-washy. No, oh no, I, I, I didn't <laughs> think it would. I didn't think it would. Um, but I guess they wanted her to be slightly more expressive. That was my thought. I don't know how I feel about it because I mean they've already made the point that her eyes are black. And that they end up reflecting Lagoshi back at himself. Um, so, I mean, if they made that point, they might as well. It's fine. Uh, that was, I mean, then the students go and take a selfie with that thing. And I, I believe they go to the press. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they take, get- a, they take a selfie, but it's not, it's not actually like they're, they're trying to prove that they're brave. And in fact, they're, they're not. 
<laughs> yeah, it's almost like a it's almost like one of those like ghost selfies or ghost pictures, you know, like mm-hmm. where you take a picture and then in the background you see something scary. In this case, they see the many-eyed creature or ghost and they're so startled they drop their phone and it breaks of course there's no way to get photos off of a broken screen (laughs) yeah heaven forfend you couldn't just plug a broken phone in and then just get access to the photos but let's just assume they can't uh not a lot else happens we get a scene of louis quitting the club so I would. They, were, they, they thought he was. Before, hey, before dead you move on there, gone. before you move on there, what I don't. Um, so, yeah, Lagoshi stumbles upon Louis, and Louis is very blase about the whole thing. And he and Lagoshi says he wants to speak to Louis about stuff, but he was. I don't yeah. know that I. Did I write it down? He said something like, I can't speak to him with all this tension in the air. And I was kind of like, Louis isn't creating any tension. He's being very, he is pretending at least to be very chill. So I thought it was just a bit weird. Um, There's honestly a lot of what uh, Lagoshi says is somewhat weird, to be perfectly honest. I mean, he's a strange character for sure. But uh, I don't know if I saw that much weirdness it's just that if if I just suddenly showed up after miss it being missing and no one knew where I was and I was supposed to be B-Star and suddenly you see me and I act like nothing, like nothing's changed, I think I would I would be caught by surprise too. Maybe I would be like unable to find the right words. And Lagoshi's relationship with Louis is strange to begin with. You know, the last time they were in the same place, <laughs> it was to invade a, a lion's den of gangsters. Right. I mean, you would think that that would be a relevant topic. Yeah, but maybe one that isn't so easy to talk about. Well, we don't get it. We don't get that conversation here for sure. Also, also let's just put it out there. Um, Haru and Louie were a thing even when Lagoshi and Haru started seeing each other. Well, and they never officially broke up. Yeah, I mean, if I were in Lagoshi's shoes, I would just, I would be majorly discomfited by the fact that Louis, who has consummated his relationship many times with Haru, and Haru is keeping me at arm's length. And I mean, I would just be really infuriated to see Louis back. Yeah. Um, and he's acting weird, Louis. Oh, absolutely. He goes in and he quits the club. He quits the drama club, which, shock, he's their star. What's going on here? And then he says something cryptic to Lagoshi. He says, light and dark reversed brilliantly. I chose a different way to fight. Yes. He says all that, and they don't let us forget it because there's an immediate flashback in, like, the next scene or something. Um, He talks about, like, a disastrous twilight. Um, I of the... did not get that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that was in, cause I, I wrote it down because I was like, what do you mean? It was talking about, it was in the, the, well, my, the light of the, the cheap light of the stage, everybody yes, waiting yes. for him to fail. Um, that was in last season, right? 
No, that was this season. That was right here in the resignation. Oh, okay. I thought he said that last season, and like they were just recalling what he said. He he was pulling no punches. He was like, I'm going to paraphrase. I read it as, um, I couldn't give two shits about what you guys do on this chumpy little stage. I am bound for greater things. Um, he said that light and dark are reversed to Lagoshi, and yes, we'll need to read into that, whatever that's supposed to mean. Um, and then he's basically like, peace out. I guess light and dark are reversed is that Louis started the series as this pillar of unimpeachable, not morality, but what would you call it? Well, he was, was the like, sort of the soul of the school, right? He, he was, was the soul of the school. He he was the character in the play who who was the most honorable, and he was also the star and the the guiding light. And he has stepped into the darkness. He's murdered the boss of the lions, as we saw. He put the gun in his mouth uh, and pulled the trigger till he was dead. Mama. <laughs> Pull my trigger till he is dead. Um, I'm glad you picked that up because it would have been really lame if you hadn't. Uh, well, but, yes, but who knows what our audience thinks. Well, they probably think it's lame either way. But, Louis, I mean, if if Louis has stepped into the darkness, Lagoshi presumably has stepped into the light, meaning that he's become the hero. Yeah, that's the implication we get out of that, but I am not seeing it right now. <laughs> well, I mean, it, there's certain heroic qualities to Lagoshi, certainly. But yes, I mean, he's when we were first introduced to him, he was about to devour Haru. <laughs> So, yeah, but he didn't. I, I think, in fact, that was the central tension that exists and still exists. Oh, yeah. And I think that's probably, you know, something that the series has a lot to say about in general is that this, that his nature is going to constantly be at, at war at war with um, his, like, instilled moral sense. We also got a scene with Lagoshi and Juno. <sighs> heavy sigh on that one. I, I felt that, like, if there was ever a reason to not want to get together with Juno, she exhibited right off the bat by being just ultra melodramatic uh, the second she sees him. She's like, I, I you know, you, you left things so ambiguous, and I know why you did it, but I can't go on without uh, closure. And I was like, good Lord. <laughs> Maybe it's my current state of mind, but I'm like, get me away from this high-maintenance chick. I like Juno. I think maybe she's a bit high-strung in that moment. He really did leave things in a weird place with her, as he often does, because he's he chases butterflies, basically. He he's constantly he's constantly going off into his own world. And and he did not break he did not like tell juno that he's not interested in her at any point no and i i was kind of like you are just feeding the flames here bud oh totally and she even says like please reject me here and now free me from this and and he still doesn't um he instead takes her to the wolf room 
And as soon as <laughs> sounds like a date to me. Right. I mean, it's biology day again, and the the wolves are all gathered in the room where they can look at the moon and and feel the healing power of the moon. It turns out Juno's super popular, and the things she said about carnivores have inspired the student body, have have revved them up and given them more confidence in their in their status as canines and carnivores. Uh, all their tails are wagging, so that's a lot of hard-ons. Oh boy, <laughs> just a whole room of of yeah. Of no, we got it. We got it. Hard. Oh, we sure got it. Youth. Uh, <laughs> And we also find out that she's in the running for B-Star, which was sort of hinted at the first season, but this is our first official like confirmation yeah, of it. The, we find this out. Of, the, the return, I mean, that really was not, I think we got it in the beginning of season one, how important the role of B-Star was or of having a B-Star. And yet, again, in the latter half of, of season one, that, I mean, no one cared. And we still don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> I'm yeah, just going to place that out there. We're in. We're a full season in. We're in the first episode of the second season. There's several dozen hours. There are dozens, a dozen and change hours of this show now, and no one knows what a B star is really. Uh, is it a hero? Is it a, a, a role model for the students? Is it some kind of political thing? We do not know. Um, but we do know that Juno is in the running. Louis is in the running still. Um, and the principal has gone. Principal gone has gone off to see the Council of Living Things. That's how it was translated from the Japanese. Uh, to discuss the lack of a B-star from Cherryton School. This I guess he's being called up on years. the carpet. Uh, it's a failure to have not produced a B star. I guess who decides who is a B star? Like it to me, it's weird. It's not like Ninja Warrior, where like they hold a competition. If nobody completes the final trial, nobody wins. But here, like, there's a committee that I presume that elects the B star, so you can always elect someone. But we'll get more on that in episode two. For now, we're dealing with Lagoshi. And he's hearing things. And then the, in the manga, they made this a lot more clear that he's been hearing things like for ever since rumors started about a, a monster. But uh, he's hearing a kind of rattling sound. And, uh, and he's acting weird. And his roommates notice, his roommates who are all dogs, they're gathered together. And Jack is trying to talk to him, trying to tell him that it's just, he's just tired. He just needs some rest. And Lagoshi like just suddenly turns around and slams his fist into the wall, calm as a serial killer. <laughs> and the dogs are just gathered up together, like, like all in a big pile, trembling. And, and Lagoshi later is in the laundry room and he just stops and he does this a lot. He just lays it out there. He's just like, will you please introduce yourself already? People are going to think I'm a freak. That's what he said. I don't understand why other people were not hearing. Like Jack is a dog. Dogs have legendarily good hearing. I mean, it's not like a wolf should have better hearing. And I yet, don't know. Jack doesn't seem to be paying attention. Once again, carefree Jack 
off with his telescope somewhere, not paying any attention to the walls. Well, Jack is a dog, so his instincts are slightly less keen. But you'd think the other canines would sense something. And I'm saying that despite the fact that I have a hint at what the answer is, but you're not going to get it. So we're going to have to wait a while for that one. I, I'm sad. Anyone who reads the manga will know what I'm talking about, well, even though it's reads... not explicitly stated in the manga. Anyone who reads the manga should have a major leg up on everything that's going on here. But still, there's, not, there's nothing explicit in the manga that explains that, nor some things you'll find out later. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep into that. Um, I will say, though, that the manga is quite different. It, the story is the same. Like, this is the story of, of um, this is the story of the second arc. It it lacks a couple scenes. There's some good stuff with um, with the side characters like uh, Bill and Aoba and and Haru is not sequestered in the manga. She isn't like kept on a rooftop. She appears in the school and she passes by Lagoshi when she, when he's with Jack or somebody else and they like greet each other and things are a little bit awkward between them but it's not like it's not like she's deliberately laid down these rules that they can't be seen together and I think that's a big miss for the anime but maybe they're building towards some things that come later that will um, that will pay off more with this development. Like, I th- I think a lot of that is on Lagoshi in the manga and not Haru. And I, I don't mind them spreading the, the sort of blame around on that one, on why they aren't just together. I was heartbroken when she, when, when Lagoshi was like, oh my God, we're not going out? <laughs> like well, in his head. I wasn't heartbroken, but I was kind of like, oh, do we have to start over on this relationship? We're at ground zero again. I laughed a little bit, but I was heartbroken for him. I think he deserves better than that. Don't you? Yes. He nearly died. He fought off a bunch of lions. He, uh, you know, his whole existence is, I mean, like, I don't know how you would explain your behavior to your parents if you were like, yeah, I've been saving rabbits that I wish to devour from an evil lion <laughs> clan. Like no parent would be down with that. Instead, uh, no one like, you know, you've got, um, yeah. you've got Juno pretty much there, you know, begging you to ravish her. It's always the forbidden fruit. It is. And, and sometimes Haru's appeal is hard to see. Uh, (laughs) yes yes that is true sometimes haru's appeal is hard to see and we don't know whether i mean just recapping from the first season we don't know whether lagoshi's feelings for her are still tied up in his desire to eat her and that's that's something that i don't expect an answer to well they certainly don't reference it here honestly they leave that bit i mean there's a little bit of him, or a lot of him, navel-gazing while he's cleaning the bathrooms or something near the end of the episode. Um, and I found that, in fact, I think I wrote some of it down. This is, 
two of the carnivores have been reading the newspaper and they're talking about a Miss Cherryton contest and they're featuring Juno and they're talking about how hot Juno is and how they're both going to try to get with her. Um, and he's watching them from the bathroom where he is acting as janitor. I don't understand why he is basically backstage or, you know, working all the time, but regardless. And he says to himself, no matter what happens, I'll stick to my own path. I'm kind of like, well, what is your path, dude? You don't, that's not explicitly clear anywhere. Has anything changed about the dub? Because I know you watch the dub and not the subbed. I do watch the dub. uh, Well, I am watching the dub with subtitles and they are not the same. Um, that oh, which is interesting. that right. which is said does not align with the words at the bottom of the screen. But I haven't noticed anything particularly out of place, except that um, when when we were recapping, when Lagoshi was recapping in his own mind, um, Louis saying "light and dark are reversed." Uh, that was not what it was translated at the bottom of the screen, like. Um, Rui, Louis was saying something different. And so it was, I, I don't know what it was, but it, it, since they were so focused on it, I was like, well, I think I think they really mean that, but I, I don't feel like there should be ambiguity here. I think that's it for this episode. Uh, we should just discuss that the, the, the episode ends with uh, him saying, you know, introduce yourself, and then something does introduce itself. I know, a major cliffhanger, honestly. Yeah. Except... It's Netflix, and you can literally just pop right over to the next episode. So not much of a cliffhanger in that respect. But if you love us, you won't do that. Because you want to experience it with us week by week. (laughs) Well, we'll try and produce as much content as we can as quickly as we can. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, thank you all for listening to the Cherryton School Report, a Beastars podcast presented by Okashina Podcast Enemy with Friends. It has been a great pleasure to rejoin you. Stick with us for the season. You will not regret it. Go buy some merch. Wow, we have merch done. Merch! It's true. You can't see it, but we are both wearing our merch right now. That's and right. frankly, it's pretty good merch. Like, I was surprised at the quality. I was thrilled with the quality is perhaps a better way to phrase it. Uh, the, the, the shirts are <laughs> lovely and soft, and the logo is large and beautiful yeah the logo by rain uh small small witch on twitter amazing and it goes so well on this shirt i'm so glad i finally decided to open a storefront with our with our logo merch and i'd love to do more so get out there buy some merch you can get a sticker you can get a magnet you can get a tote bag you can get a onesie for your baby you can have a baby specifically so you can put a baby in the onesie. But that's very expensive, so it might be better to just buy more merch instead. That's true. That's true. Or just put your child to work as soon as you can and then take that money and put it into more merch. It has to be an investment thing in that case. <laughs> We have a tradition on Okashina Podcast Anime with Friends. Um, but we also have a tradition on the Cherryton School Report. So I don't know what I'm gonna do, because I'm kinda I'm kind of stuck between worlds now. What do you wanna do? You have Don? to stay true to your roots. We have to go back to the Cherryton School Report. 
the origin, the alpha and the omega here. So All right. Know. It's the chart and scoreboard. See you next time. Beast off! <laughs> Maybe we should say the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think you're right. I, I think it's better. Uh, our our, our sign-off is better on Akashi in a podcast. Jory, have you ever watched the anime called One Piece? Yeah, Joe. I watched for a podcast that we do. What? You know, we are watching One Piece. I started watching it so you could rewatch it, and then we talk about it sometimes. I, I, have, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we don't do it super frequently. Once a month the best. Did, did you forget? We analyze the story and discuss the show's themes, characters, compare it to other media, and how it provides an allegory for real-life politics and events. I, I must have forgotten. What, where can I listen to remind myself? You can listen at the Orange Groves Podcast Network or search for We Are Watching One Piece in your favorite podcast app. What's a podcast? Oh.